the the hot, just even reading through your back, your backstory with the business and how the challenge has been, obviously like losing losing stuff out of the sea and all kinds of different wild stuff's been going on. Let's let's just take it right back to like obviously where you where you be, where you began because a lot of people see stacks thirty million dollars a year, all this stuff, and that's and that's all well and good. Obviously, J Lo's wearing it, Rita Ora's wearing it. Obviously, girls all over Australia, I see them in every gym in wearing your stuff, so it's that's fa- that's fantastic, but. People, pe- people always lose sight of, of the fact that you started in Perth from your mum's spare room. And before you even started there, I believe that you had another brand that was called like Muscle, Muscle Stacks or something along those lines that was selling supplements. So Stacks didn't, Stacks didn't even start as a clothing brand, right? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's funny because um, you sort of get to this point now where things are really you know, working out and we're super focused uh, on the business. Um, but, you know, with the success, people want to do interviews and podcasts and, and discussions. And it's, I haven't really thought that deep into, I, or I never think that deep into the journey until we sit down and have these conversations. And every, every now and then something else um, pops up. But we, like, when I think about where it started, um, it's, it started from a gym that I used to work in uh, back in I think 2011, 2012, and I just I started in the gym as a gym receptionist, right? Yeah. Um, I think I tried to study PT at the time, but I, I flunked that course. I just I fucked that off. It wasn't for me. Um, and then you know through through the process, the gym had a cafe, and I started helping out with the cafe and started working in that. Um, it, w- it wasn't a well managed gym, I must add. So it was kind of <laughs> easy to get involved in quite a few things and. Um, pretty much saw an opportunity to sell supplements from the gym so i pretty much did that sold supplements not not stack supplements or not personal supplements you know just any the kind of supplements you find in a store right and just generics like you could pick like like anything off asn or anything like that you'd pick up just resell it literally man and then i that sort of grew and i was doing it out of my car and i was doing it on social media but back then instagram had just sort of started it wasn't huge uh, so Messenger was everything, um, and then just selling supplements to the the, the people in the gym really. Uh, and I used to play rugby, so um, I used to sell it to the rugby boys. Um, and then yeah, just through that process, that grew. I opened up some accounts with uh, some of the distributors, and I I actually managed to get the gym owner to go into I guess um, a bit of a partnership with me in the store, uh, and he gave me the the opportunity to open a store in the gym. So, so, then, so from that, then, at this point, Don, w- without even knowing it, you're learning like how to negotiate partnership deals. You're learning, you're learning about how to position yourself, you know, as a business within someone else's business. You're learning all these skills, yeah, think, skills that people don't give, don't give it credit for when you when you're starting out. Bro, the hustler's mentality is something that I think you develop early on, right? I think I'll pause there because when I when I really reflect about entrepreneurial uh, tendencies or approaches and stuff, I, I think back to when I was in, um, I think year, tw- year one, I think it was, year one or year two. And in our school, um, they would give us like picnic baskets to go and raffle out. And mum um, would drive me around and we, we'd stop and knock. They, I mean, back in those days, it was, it was safer to do that. Uh, you, you'd knock at houses and try and sell these tickets to try and hustle these these picnic baskets, and I, I think that's where I learned like hustle. Um, yeah. I won the I won the competitions every year in school, and I felt like the sense of achievement. and And I think I was like what six or seven back then, um, and I remember that really really fondly. 
Um, that, that was teaching how to talk to people as well and how to communicate. You know, a lot of people don't le- don't learn these skills. Man, sales is hard, bro. Like, not many people have worked in retail. Not many people people appreciate hospitality or retail, like the ability to take something and sell it. Like, to you know, it's it's um, it's not something. It's a, it's definitely a skill you need to develop, uh, and and it's a confidence thing a lot of people don't have. I don't I don't believe. Um, it's not it's not something though that in, inherently is taught within within like any school system or this that and the other. Like, sa- learning sales at school is simply you know, you're you're a young lad who wants to wants to meet women and you have to sell them on the reason as why they should date you in the playground rather than this other geezer down the road like so that's yeah. that, that's that's the first interaction that men have with sales isn't it when they have to sell themselves in terms of like why why, why they should get the attention of this girl like that, that's literally like the sales apprenticeship in school and if you that, that, that's that's the way i see it like yeah, i don't know about you but there's not there's not much there's yeah not, even business i remember doing business studies at school don and like and there's nothing that I've implemented in business that's 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 come from that. So it's like people people are off to a rough start. Yeah, I think so. But it's interesting because, like, I think it. I mean, if if you just if you just think about that, going back to school, like, I don't know. If, I don't know what it was like for you, man. But I went to school in South Africa, so my family didn't have cash, we didn't have money. So if I wanted lollies, or if I wanted, you know, I don't know if you guys played marbles or, yeah, yeah, or tops, sure, or whatever man. it is, like. Yeah. From, from an early age, you're taught to hustle, right? You're taught to trade. Like, I'll give you five of my marbles for three of your really cool, like, Milky Way marbles. And I think, like, trading has always been there. I think, like, I think it's just, I think it's something you might actually lose growing up. I, I don't know what, it's, it's an interesting concept I haven't really thought about to this point. I, 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 th- I think I think we're, obviously, we're... We have play and we have freedom and we have fun when we're growing up, and we kind of we kind of forget that as an adult and we make things more difficult than it has to be, because like what you've just said is inherently true. Like we're tr- playing and trading. Like the f- the fastest way for most people to make money is to buy something and then trade it for something more than what they paid for it. And everyone just everyone makes the concept of business and the concept of making money really fucking difficult when it doesn't need to be. Like because so it's, va- it's value, right? Yeah, like, it's like it's, it's, it's take something that's put, you know, you perceive that value's worth more than what you can pay for it, and buy it and sell it to someone else where the perceived value's higher. Bro, I think we're like on a different wavelength right now because, like, what when you're speaking about that, I'm thinking about like value and money, right? Like, yeah. people people give up on their dreams and business uh, ventures these days because they're fixated on the money aspect. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm realizing in this conversation that like where I'm thinking you know when I was in year one two and three like I was trading like I, I had a value proposition so if I had cards if I had something that was more valuable than someone else's I would trade them or I'd figure out a way to you know hustle that so I accumulated you know the best stack of cards or a marble collection yeah. um, I didn't have money for it yeah. You, yeah you sort of you sort of trade and I think that's that's the success in in most people's business right like. Um, Back to us. Back to my story. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm going back and forth in. Yeah, we're just, we're just like we're just going with the conversation. But like, I look at uh, after the supplement store didn't work out. So a quick summary. I, I did I did the supplements for about two years. It was going really good, uh, but I was positioned in the gym. But in the gym, I didn't have a contract. I didn't have 
uh, I guess you'd say proof of business operation, but it was all my money. I took out this uh, personal loan to build an e-commerce website because I wanted to replicate the Australian version of bodybuilding.com, right? Yeah, yep. We were trying to build out this, this e-commerce platform. I, I didn't have a clue. This was before Shopify. And um, I linked up with these web developers to build out a store on Magento, I think it was. Um, it ended up costing like 21K, uh, but we couldn't sell any product because I couldn't use it myself, right? So anytime I wanted to do something, I had to pay a developer. It's nothing like Shopify these days where you take out a $60 subscription and you can just sell anything. Yeah, um, and it so can I be thought, done in a day, like minimum viable product type stuff. Man, so I thought I was I was super like, I was like a businessman. I was really trying to go through this process and I thought we were going to kill it. Uh, but I didn't understand cash flow. And, uh, you know, I started paying and paying and paying and paying and paying. Uh, and I started running out of money. Um, and when we had no real resources or I had no way of bringing the money back in. Anyway, the, um, the gym ended up going bankrupt uh, and we were going through, it was a lengthy process. I saw it coming. That's when I realized I've got to do something different in this process. So I already started selling t-shirts, right? I started selling uh, these horrible string of singlets with a hoodie um, but everyone everyone in the community was buying it because I could, I could hustle and I could sell. Yeah. Um, so shout out to anyone from Kangville in Perth if you're listening. Um, Thanks for buying mad res- horrible hoodies. <laughs> mad respect, man. Like that that was, um, I guess, you know, one of those moments that sort of gave me, I guess, confidence to keep pursuing what I was doing. Uh, it worked. And then uh, back to the supplement store, there was a day when we, we rocked up to the gym, but uh, it, it had gone into liquidation and the landlord seized the property uh, and we couldn't get in. So so ultimately, uh, all my equipment, all my stuff was seized at the same time because I didn't really have any contracts yeah. in place to assume that it was mine. Uh, I could have I could have pursued legal action. I could have pursued... But the realization for me was where I had I had no cash to even think about it. I was getting depressed by the day, and for me to go fight for like twenty k worth of stock just didn't seem worth it. I didn't have that motivation to go and fight. It wasn't worth it. That's that, um, that is a gr- that is a great point right there because you've got to know as uh, not not just in business but as a human being when to cut your losses with stuff so that you can move forward with, with what what you're going to achieve. And too many people are getting tied up in in this constant cycle of, of trying to trying to fight for things that aren't truly worth fighting for when they could be fighting to push themselves forward in life. 100% because the, someone someone shared this with me once. They said, you never want to steer a sinking ship. You never yes. want to be the captain of a sinking ship, right? And it, it sits with me. It's like you never want to be involved in something because we all know when something's not going to work out, right? Like yeah, we, we all, we all have that intuition. We can feel it, but we sometimes try and push ourselves into something because we have egos and we have the fear of failing um, and people just don't know when to give up because they think that giving up is the wrong thing to do. You, you have to know when to just change your course. Um, and and gi- giving, up, giving up is, is giving a bad rep, but it but really empowers you as a human being because it, 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 when you give up something, you give yourself an opportunity to do something else. But people people never really position it as that they always see it as they're taking a loss it's not really it's empowering you to move forward i think i think we get fixated on failure man like the the generation the world we live in now where people can microanalyze anyone and just jump on social and bully and you know we're all trying to flex on social or something to have some sort of validation like people are afraid of failing 
I don't know. In my mind, failure doesn't exist because it's just an opportunity to try something new. It's feedback. Right? It's like, constant feedback. Bro, it's refining. It's learning. Uh, Matilda and I, like, the craziest thing is, like, things are working out for us, but people don't, like, in, in our lives, th- there's there's so many things that don't work out. Like, this morning I woke up and I real- I thought, you know, the the store that we've signed for and everything was good to go. We're ready to rock and roll. I have designers coming in. Uh, I had meetings today to try and work on this fit out, whatever, uh, but the deal didn't go. I was on, I was in the car on the way to the city to sort it out, uh, and we we sort of had a disagreement on the deal, so we pulled out. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was it was a moment where I was like pretty disappointed at that moment, uh, but I think like experience and I, I guess a bit of maturity has taught me like maybe it's not it's not for us. Like it's not things the right happen- one energetically things happen for us not to us right um so uh, in that change in that change of thought process uh, we sort of realize well what are our options like we we have a deadline the 25th of february we have to make something work this was obviously not meant to be let's just shift our attention on, on making something else work and um to be honest within two hours we had already picked another location it blew our expectations it ended up it all it all fell in place I um, mean, that was just today. That was just that was just some shit that happened down today, right? Like, and people are going through crap every single day of their lives. Um, the ones that are winning are the ones that can distinguish the good from the bad and focus on growth opportunities. The ones that get stuck, I think, are, are some of those of us who just focus on things that aren't working out, and you just get stuck in that space. People, people put a lot of judgment on themselves, Don, like in terms of like in their expectations so that so like say that happened to someone in, in in you know someone else and they judge themselves as, as like oh it's, this is my fault for this this is this, this and this and then they start to get into negative space and then they've not thought their way out of the box like you have you know you've gone and you've gone and took took, took that experience and gone within two hours you've fixed another venue the venue you've got now is probably better than the original venue that you had anyway you still you st- you're still up and running and it's just a little pivot and it's that pivot was meant to happen in your life and you've got to n- navigate these every single day like as an entrepreneur as someone like yourself who's trying to blow this brand up is that it, people get people get too caught up in in the small stuff and start sweating it too much we can't take ourselves too seriously man i think that that's that thing where uh, and, and it's a very it's a very challenging thing for us in our generation because like we're all under the microscope, right? Yeah. Like y- your podcast is there for people to listen and criticize. Uh, you know, people are listening, but if you say the wrong thing, people are going to have an opinion. Yeah. Uh, if you if if you if you have a guest on that doesn't sit well with someone, like they're going to have an opinion. Uh, it, it's the world we live in, but some people just take that to heart, and we take ourselves too seriously. Like to be honest. But you'll never, you'll never get criticised, Don, by anybody who's doing more than you. 100%. Because like, they too focus on their own shit, though. Anybody that's ever criticised me in life, it, it, just take this podcast. If they criticise it, I guarantee you they haven't, they haven't done one or ten episodes of a podcast before. They've never hosted a podcast. They've never had to book guests. They've never had to do all this stuff, let alone have a conversation with someone in the public domain, in the public eye, you know, with thousands of people listening to it, it's not as it's not as simple as what as what people make out to criticise you. So anybody can come and criticise a clothing brand that's doing thirty million dollars a year, but like, how many people could actually physically build one? The people that are criticising are, are nowhere near the level of maturity in the mind to be able to go and build one because they wouldn't try enough shit because they wouldn't be willing to fail in the first place. And that's man, like that's their place in life, right? Like it's it's the weirdest it's the weirdest generation we're living through because 
we can we can love someone and criticize them at the same time, and we can appreciate we appreciate someone and tear them down at the same time. It's it's a very confusing space to live in, um, but you have to develop a certain mental strength. You know, everyone wants to be successful, and everyone wants to. I, I want everyone's dreams to work out for them, but I don't I don't think people understand like what happens when things start working out, like the pressures that you have to go through and the mental toughness you have to develop to see things through when it's when it starts working out that's why i was saying to like i realized i've programmed myself to get into like a really crazy tunnel vision um throughout this process of building this machine it's only when we when we stop and i reflect and have these conversations that i think about the journey because i don't i don't reflect i really don't reflect on the past um, no, you know, you, to be you, honest, you've got plan. You've got a plan of attack, haven't you? And you're just trying to kick every next goal that you're going through. You, you, do, do you ever get a point then when you sit, where you sit and reflect at all on your own, and just sit in the stillness and and, and allow yourself to really think through a lot of the stuff? Yeah, I just, I just don't. I like, I, I do it, and I try and learn. I try and learn from mistakes, um, but I'm really focused on the future. I, I, I really try and live in the present and focus on the future, um, and use some of my past experiences reference but your past becomes like a principle-based reference in your mind, right? So you're always comparing everything you're doing to that. Um, but I try not to get too lost in that because, um, you know, like one of, one of the key parts of our story is that I, I ended up being negative 80K in debt with no real job. I think I was working four jobs to try and get by uh, whilst trying to keep the dream alive. Um, but, you know, it's embarrassing, man. Like... I, at that point, at that point, I was ashamed because I was like, "Fuck, man! Like, I haven't done anything wrong, but things just weren't working out. Like, like people stole my dream. Like, I wasn't blaming everyone else, but I was blaming the circumstance. And I was just thinking, like, fuck, like, how could this happen? But at the same time, the other part of me was developing a tunnel vision where I couldn't be fucked with that drama. I was focused on getting myself out of out of the shit. What, um, what, what was the pivotal point of you seeing a way out of the shit, though? Yeah, tunnel vision. Like I don't like not even thinking too far in the future at that point. Um, like literally, like waking up in a day. I remember, like the like um, top of mind. I remember one morning, like I was that. It, it's crazy because like people say they get depressed, but I feel like you can be depressed and have energy and and survival instinct at the same time. Like I was in, I was in a space where I was like. Um, depressed to get out of bed like it was hard but i was like forcing myself like i i was determined i was fighting through this like i guess um like a darkness to to keep going and that that fight motivated me it's like it's it's really hard to articulate because i feel like people can either you can be in this negative space but you can still push through um and that was that was just a, it, it was literally the uh, the thought process of like just taking one day at a time. And at that point, I was selling stuff in pre-sales. I was selling product I didn't have, and I was yeah. hitting up people. I was like, "Man, like I got these sick hoodies. I know you loved the t-shirts we did. Uh, we were restocking. People didn't know how bad it was, um, how bad it really was. You know what I mean? Like, and I just put on a brave face and hustled. Is that how you'd advise most people then to start a brand to 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 like? get the designs done to set them up on the website to pre-sell them out and then go and get them made is that how you'd you'd suggest or how would you you kind of someone someone who wants someone wants to start themselves it's hard because like these days you know so many people ask me for advice on exactly like that that exact question comes up all the time and i don't really want to answer it uh because i feel like that was that was my journey i and it was hard like that's my reference and it was it was challenging and it was tough 
Um, and I don't know if I'd, I'd recommend it, but what I would recommend is to be clear, clear vision on what the objective is. You know, if if you don't have a product to sell, delay delay the process for twelve months. Get a job that's going to pay you good enough money. Get the product and sit with the product in, in your in your mom's spare room before you sell something you don't have. Because um, there were other issues in that as well. Like when when I was doing that, uh, one of the factories I worked with that I had a trading deal with was. Uh, if I, for example, would order hoodies, they'd give it to me, sell them, and I could pay for them. Uh, and then we, we'd rinse and repeat, right, to build up some equity and, I guess, some positive cash flow. Uh, then, then it got to a point where they did, they did the dog on me. And when I had raised to pay for the current balance and I had started pre-selling product I didn't have, they sort of uh, – they said they would – fulfill the agreement as per usual and then when I paid that balance of the previous stuff they pulled the pin they wouldn't support it right, so yeah, yeah. so I'd already um, sold product uh, and didn't have capital didn't have to pay for that yeah, product yeah 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 for sure and so I said I said in the situation I was like fuck I don't have any money like I've, I've, I've promised these people this product like um, and I couldn't fulfill it because the, the issue so, so some people that are listening might think well you you sold some product but how come you didn't have money to pay for it? The the answer to that is because when you when you're buying production, you have to order a certain minimum order quantity. Yeah. So you have to order, let's say, three hundred pairs of tires at a time. So even though I was selling a hundred, I still didn't have enough cash to pay for the additional two hundred. And yeah, the, the factories are yeah. unfulfilled. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You got a lead time on that as well. Yeah, 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 it's crazy, and you know, it's it's the it's the I think it's the wrong thing to do if you can't fulfill your promises. Uh, and, and honor your commitments. That's that's one thing. That's another thing I've, I've sort of I've focused and learned on. Like, well, why it was important for me to sort of commit to this this time with you. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you make a commitment, you need to honor your commitments. Yeah, no, um, no. Yeah, but but again, on the other side of things, you, when you do make, a, I understand in terms of you saying make a commitment to stuff like this, and you want to honor it, and that's that's great. But then also on the other side of the coin. Going back to what you said about quitting, it's also knowing when to quit as well. So there's, it, it's, 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 there's kind of this grey area, you know, where you where you kind of there's an ethical part of it, but then there's also knowing when to back out of something that isn't right for you as well. So it's kind of it's 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 actually more so about intuition, isn't it? It's about trusting your intuition. We all have it within us, but we all try and outsource our decisions too early, and sometimes we need to bring them bring them bring them back home to roost and really sit with them ourselves and, and see if it's right for us before we start operating in any way because a lot 100 percent, yeah i think i think we, we all have that right like we all we all have this we all have two voices in our heads every single day right we have we have those two opposing uh conflicting thoughts whether you know which one do we follow but one is always right and i feel like you know it, Often we just need to sit back and try and listen and learn which voice is, is the voice of reason and, and the right voice. And then if you can tune yourself into listening to that voice always, uh, I think that's when you start getting on the right path. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I bet you've learned a lot about your yourself by because obviously you've gone from four staff now to 40 staff, I believe, in the last, what, 12, 18 yeah, months? Yeah, we, we're close to 50 at the moment. Um, you learn a lot about yourself when you employ that many people and the, and the kind of questions you ask and the way that you frame employing these people because you're going to learn a hell of a lot by employing another 45 humans. It's hard, man. Like, you know, you, you sort of develop a, a responsibility for the guys that, that work, uh, that, are, that are in your charge. Um, 
and you you have to have all the answers always it doesn't matter what you're going through as an individual if if someone's coming to you with a problem and and, and that's the, that's the time most people always come to you uh when you're a business leader or a leader in general you know uh majority of the time people are coming to you is, is for you to help them solve a problem um but man it's it's a crazy learning journey like you, you are forever learning and refining yourself and questioning yourself but questioning in a good way um yeah the, the journey, the journey has taught me a lot, bro. But I mean, I think I think we're all just trying to get through it and learn. At what stage did you get to in Perth before you decided to flip the narrative and move it all the way to Sydney? Man, Perth, like I love Perth. Um, it was it was a good it was a good stepping stone. The thing about the Perth community is like p- people are very close in Perth, and I think it's one of the most supportive cities around people will really jump and support small business there uh and it's it's where we started like i'm sorry i'm just i'm just thinking about all the memories when we're speaking now but it got to a point where we we grew um and then we couldn't do anything more uh and 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 what i mean by that is like you know there, there weren't abundance of studios to work in there weren't an abundance of uh, models to work with. The the there is no fashion industry per se yeah. uh, in 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 WA. Um, and then logistically, it was challenging because Perth is so isolated and far. It takes you know an extra three or four days for stuff just to get to the eastern states. Uh, imports were a nightmare to get in. Um, so we just we just wanted to chase the growth. We just wanted to take the brand and put it on a, in a space where the uh, potential was endless, uh, unlimited. Um, so and I, and that's sort of Matilda and I just sort of had this minute where we just thought about it and we, we were planning it and it just it just logically made sense, right? Did did, did you have like a short list, but obviously between Sydney and Melbourne, or was it was it just were you always just going to go Sydney? Oh. Actually, it was Gold Coast, man. Um, Matilda used to do, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Matilda used to actually do um, fitness. Uh, she did a fitness uh, competition, uh, a bikini competition, and um, we actually travelled there for it. And we we've been to Gold Coast quite a few times, and, and we love the vibe. Who, who doesn't love the Gold Coast, right? Yeah, yeah, like, beautiful place. Beaches, the environment. It's busy. Brisbane's lovely as well. Uh, so we we flew over. Uh, she did the show. We spent some time around, uh, and we were quite. We actually made the decision to move to Gold Coast. That was going to be the the step, or Brisbane at least. Um, and then we we got home or whatever, and she she actually managed to arrange a transfer with her work, but it had to be to Sydney. It was the only Eastern State city that could do it uh, because she had to still work full time for us to survive. Um, there's there's no at that point so she you, was still working full time. So you, so you so even when you're at the point where you where you had to move the whole business to grow, she still had to work a job. Oh yeah, bro, because she covered the rent. Wow. Uh, like we, she she had to cover our rent, um, and the yeah I didn't I didn't start drawing a salary until probably eighteen months ago for the first time. Really, That's I, you know, I would just I would just take what we needed to get by. Uh, but we, we reinvested every single cent back into the business throughout the whole process. Like, and I only quit my full-time job about six months before we moved to Sydney. So, um, so what, and, yeah. that, and what were you doing full-time then? 
yeah, I actually worked in another supplement store. So when when things didn't work out for me uh, in my store, I launched Stacks in 2015 as an e-commerce fashion brand, fitness fashion brand. Yeah. Um, we dropped the muscle, we reinvented ourselves, became Stacks. Uh, we, we dropped uh, two colorway hoodies um, and then brought in some trackies. I then did you know three colorways of tights and I just sold all of that. Um, and then I had to work. I worked at a supplement store full time. I worked at a server, you know, the fuel station, yeah, all yeah, those yeah, 20 yeah. hour delis. I would do like a three to seven a.m. shift, go get ready, go into the CBD worker, a 10 or a nine to 6 p.m. shift, um, and then train and stuff at night. So days were long. Uh, and I did that for about probably another two years. I, I love this though, because this really does paint the full picture of what it's like to take a brand from 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 perth to this kind of level that you're now seeing in sydney there's so much in it that people miss between the lines that unless we have these kind of conversations that you you just would never you just never know that so you worked so two or three jobs you 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 didn't draw a salary until like six months six months into into moving to sydney yeah pretty much so we we decided to leave perth and um we, I'm trying to think. Like, our, our, we, we had a little apartment. It was a two-bedroom apartment, but it was it was more like a one-bedroom apartment. And when we first moved to that apartment, the spare room became the first warehouse. Uh, it was packed to the brim. We moved stock into the lounge room. Like everywhere you looked around was just like product. It, it, it became unmanageable. And then we, when I started to make a little bit of extra cash, we took on a storage unit. Uh, the biggest storage unit they had in the space, which was you know one and a half size garage with no yeah. electricity or lights or anything, and we set up our little warehouse in that. We were so proud of that, actually. You so it's it's cool to think back on like the little things, like being able to get into your own space. Like for any entrepreneur, any brand that's doing their own thing, like the moment you can leave your house and you have your own space, doesn't matter what it looks like or the condition, it's such a sense of achievement, right? Mate, just, um, just, just even just even to like, you know, set out your packing area inside that little double garage, you know, so you can pack your parcels and put them in the post bag and all that man, stuff. It's all memories. You just it's, feel, it's, it's all the journey, isn't it? That's, what, that's where the juice is. I see your face light up when parts, you talk about it. Those are the parts you love the most. Um, then when we decided to move, and by the way, like Sydney's crazy with rent, man. Like our, our rent, our, our rent for our apartment doubled when we got here. Yeah. So you know, shout out to Till for carrying us. Like you know, at that stage, Stacks was doing okay. Um, it was able to pay for itself and grow. And by okay, I mean like, I think I think our goal for me to be able to quit my job was making five hundred bucks a day. You know. For, yeah. for me to comfortably quit 500 bucks a day and like that's not a lot man when you have to still pay for product the website the operation and then you move to sydney and sydney is expensive like it's um it's not it's not easy for young people in sydney to to get ahead and, and to to do something right yeah, yeah um so how much did, did you so, have a, did you have a set goal as well when you when you pivoted from that garage unit into a warehouse did you have a set like earning amount per day turnover to be able to go and pivot into the bigger warehouse yeah, from, from from the apartment to the warehouse was like something like 200, 300 bucks a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not, again, that's not a lot. Like, that was just really true. And I was working full time, Till was working full time, and all we were doing is trying to make enough money to buy more stock. Because this is, this is one of the things about uh, running a product based business that 
I don't think a lot of people appreciate is that you can't run a business if you don't have product, and you you can't buy a product if you don't have the capital. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's not like um, and selling a service and the lead time. and the lead. You don't have you don't have the luxury of having like eight, you need product. It takes eight weeks to to comfortably get product in. You know, uh, so what are you doing in those in those periods? So the hustle is immense. You, you can't articulate what it takes, in my experience at least. Uh, it's, you know, maybe it's not just lead time though, is it? It's also like seasons. You know, you're 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 probably you're probably a few seasons ahead of where you where you've got currently released. And a lot of people, there's there's so much in in that testing period and creating and creating the the feel of the season that you're trying to create. And then you've got the lead time on, on getting that created and landing it in Australia or landing it wherever you're going to la- land it, your 3PL, wherever, however you're distributing it. And then, and then the, on, the on time from that is, is it, the, the nuance. That's why I, I love talking to people like yourself because you get to understand the nuance that people have between what they think is reality and what the, tr- the real reality is. And like you're saying, landing product and then getting it, getting it out the door is a lot more moving parts than just simply order it here. One week later, it's in your customer's hands doesn't work like that you know we had a team meeting yesterday i i, I took the team out for a breakaway um i saw the doodles i saw the doodles <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah well shout, yeah shout out to rebecca for making that um we we uh we, i took the team out we did our strategic planning and and an opportunity to bond as a management team and come up with you know new generational concepts and ideas of how we want to operate and then you sort of sit back and you look at these people and my team's young man like i i strategically hired young people to start with the first generation of sax employees were super young start at the bottom and they're working the way up yeah um that that was a design because i wanted them to sort of understand the process of starting at the bottom and 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 understanding the the process and the DNA of the brand. So literally from pick packing into customer service into, uh, you know, returns. And now from from that phase, I've I've mentored and and, and built uh, absolute weapons uh, as marketing managers, PR managers, a warehouse manager. That understand the culture. Manager. Yeah, but understand, but have a certain understanding for what we went through to get to this point. Uh, in the in the future, it will change. You know, we'll we'll hire very intelligent, experienced people. But I wanted I wanted to start off this journey for us with putting in the effort into firstly creating opportunities for these young dudes, uh, and 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 setting them up with the inside of how the the brand started. You know, from from the ground up, so that there, there isn't a, a sense of like an entitlement or a sense of arrogance, like. You know the guys who are grounded, but they're working like and and they're innovative and young and dynamic. Um, so so by, but, by by taking them on at that age, you're teaching them how to how to think and solve problems on their feet, rather than ask you about how they solve every problem within the business, because they understand yeah, it because they've been involved in every level. That's the process. That's that's sort of been. I you know I don't know whether it's right or it's wrong, but that's what's worked for us. That that was something. It's it's something different that I wanted to to do um i don't know why i wanted to do it i just felt like i just wanted to create the first generation team of leaders within the business uh from the ground up because i feel like it's it's um it's special about the dna of how we've started um i, I think it's i think it's like similar model to what jim shark took when they were, when when they were they were starting out and obviously like and getting everything moving along there they, i think they started out with a similar process you know like noel mack who's head of brand at jim shark he he started he started out as a videographer back in the day just shooting vid 
videos f- for them. So every, everyone in that top leadership management team at Gymshark has come from from that from the ground up process that you're talking about. There was a there was a point. I think it was. I think at the year in the year 2020, it was it was reported that you grew 2,000 percent in a year. In now, obviously, I, I don't know whether that's a true figure. That's just what I've read. When you're growing 2,000 percent, is 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 that just the difference of like putting paid ads between what what you're already doing, or, or was there some was there something special that you that you juiced, juiced up that much percentage of growth with? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, so that was 2019, and that that was at the uh, the pandemic just kicked off, right? Right. Um, the, the the figures are accurate. I think it's I think it's just under two thousand. I think it's like eighteen hundred or something like that. It's um, we we just signed a deal with uh, a seamless manufacturer, um, which is you know seam, seamless fabric is is a new technology of, of doing uh, fabrics. Uh, it, it eliminates seams and it's just a more comfortable fabric to do. But you know the, the factories and suppliers will only do work for people like Gymshark or big brands that can order you know like. 100,000 units at a time or whatever it is. Um, so we weren't able to do it, but I, I eventually found a factory that, that we actually have partnered up with now uh, who literally are like our family. They gave us a shot and they um, they made us a collection. You know, I, I designed this really cool collection and they, they gave us the opportunity. And um, But we still had to meet in a certain minimum order quantity. So Till and I literally took this risk and we emptied I, I can't even express like how how broke we were at that point after emptying our accounts to buy this collection and it was it was only a container worth of product um but then the, the pandemic hit and we lost communication with uh the shipping company uh and it took an extra six to eight weeks for the products to arrive but in that process uh communication was gone the factories were closed people were in lockdown because it hit china first right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's before we really knew what was up like we didn't re- we really didn't understand and, and it took about three months for you know china to peak before it really came into australia and then just went out of control here with um restrictions etc so we we ultimately lost uh the container for four weeks we didn't know where it was we didn't know when it was landing so uh, zero communication with the factory it just literally went off the radar not not the factory more so the shipping lines more more so more so the shipping agents on that end uh because obviously when it leaves the port there you know it's a process before it comes it gets here it takes about four weeks uh, to get here uh but we we had no communication understanding whether it it made the ship whether it was en route uh because because usually with shipping lines is the, the tracking is not very accurate. It's not like DHL, whatever it is. Um, it was, it was, it was stressful. It was a nightmare. So till now, I almost thought we were going to have to uh, give it all up. That, that's how serious it was for us at that point. And this was in uh, 2019. 2019, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last year was 2020. The year before was when the pandemic hit. 2019, yeah. March. It was March. Uh, it, it, it departed in March, and I think we only got it in April. Um, and this is Premium Seamless. It's Premium Seamless is one of our big, big collections. It's, it's, it has this crazy reputation. It's, it's the collection that when it comes out, it sells out um, instantly, etc. Um, but anyway, uh, like, like all good stories or good tales, and uh, the, the happy ending was that it, it ended up rocking up and we got it. Um, 
But the second challenge to that was that we couldn't run the big campaign because we couldn't work with models. We're in lockdown. Um, oh, that's, so, yeah, that's a big that's a big problem, isn't it? Is that where is that where Matil- uh, Matilda was modelling all the clothes? Yeah, man, that's when because I'm 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 the brand brand's photographer. Um, so I, we were lucky enough that I knew how to take some photos, and we we managed to get a space and we put up this really cool backdrop, and we did a campaign the two of us. Uh, and she looked absolutely stunning. It, it worked brilliant. People would not have known it was an accidental campaign. We 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 built something really spectacular. Um, we sent products out to a lot of our friends, a lot of influencers. Um, at that stage, it was just three of us working in the business: uh, myself, uh, Till, and Rebecca. Um, and yeah, we we dropped that collection. We built the craziest online hype. We were just gifting influencers and trying to do deals. We weren't paying influencers, by the way. Um, at this point in time, I don't think I was doing much with paid ads. Um, I might have had a couple of paid ads on Facebook. I didn't do anything with Google at that point. I was just trying to wing Facebook uh, ads manager myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we sold it, but. Our, our business model at that point was we, when we sell a product, it goes into pre-sale immediately. Uh, <laughs> the, the craziest thing, we, we built this hype and we sold out, I think, in like two minutes. But the the collection went into pre-sale and sold about four times more, I think it was, than the original that, than allocation. You, than, you'd actually, than the pieces you'd originally ordered. So you not, yeah, only sold, you not only sold out like X thousands of pieces, but you actually pre-sold four times as much on the back end. Yeah, man, and that's that's when those those crazy two thousand percent figures started popping up. Because what yeah. we did from that immediately, it, it 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 was almost a round of capital raise for us. It it immediately gave us the capital to launch, uh, and that's pretty much like the one pivotal moment. Where I thought where I think everything just sort of worked because we we were we went straight from that. We ordered the the oversold product. People waited up to eight weeks for it. No problems. No one had real issues with it. Um, and that's how we pretty much launched uh, with some cash in the bank, and uh, yeah, that's sort of so, that, that big moment. So every time you sell out a product, it flips over to pre-sale, so you still got cash flow coming in whilst you're reordering. Yeah, these days it's a bit different. Um, back back then, that's how it happened. Nowadays, we we sort of stick to the limited edition collections, yeah. um, so and we you know we have our core collections that you know people are buying our best black ties, for example, like. Man, this this product is crazy. It's like I um, I pitched it to the team. It's like the Stacks Apple iPhone or the Big Mac or the Coca Cola that we have. It's like this one product that I mean I don't know what the analytics look like right now, but we're selling a pair every sixty seconds type of thing. Yeah, um, beautiful. But it's, that, uh, and is that the in, is that the innovative seamless black leggings that are just a staple that all women have in their wardrobe kind of thing? No, that one's not seamless. Seamless is seamless is the limited edition collection. So that's that's the one we would build like you know thirty six different products in the collection, um, and we bring that out probably twice a year. Uh, the be- the best black is our we've actually formulated our own fabric since. Uh, that we call Nandex Fabric. It's a um, it's a nylon spandex blend that we've customized, um, and that's our hero product. That's like that's like our that's our baby. When was the breakthrough moment though that you that you saw that you needed the standout hero product that that was like that was like the iPhone? What, what what was what was the what was the moment that came about? I think it's learning, man. I think like you know you you assess the world's biggest brands. 
and you look at what their proposition is, and you look at Apple, and it's, it's, they have their iPhone. Sure, they've had Macs. They started out with computers and whatever, but like, when you think of Apple, you think of the iPhone. Everyone has an iPhone. They have that one product. When you think of Nokia, Nokia had that 3310 that everyone had. When you think yeah. of Mac is, you think of the Big Mac. Sure, they have a catalog of other products, but it's like, that. What, what's that one thing that will identify your brand? Uh, or the one product that you're that that's identifiable that everyone needs, and for us, it's it's a pair of black tights. Every girl in the world needs a pair of black tights. Uh, so we looked at the proposition, and we looked at you know the competitors in the space, um, and we thought, well, we're a direct to consumer brand strictly. Uh, we can make it affordable. You know, we we can create a luxury experience brand uh, at an affordable price. You know, so so girls don't have to go into the mall and go into shops that they they might not be able to afford. They can wear black tights, the same pair of black tights that the celebrities are wearing. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not unachievable, and that was our thing. That's our thing. That's our that's that one thing we we've sort of built the brand around. What's the price point of these leggings? Just 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 so I know. Se- Seventy five bucks. Seventy five bucks, and. Do you, what, I mean, how long would a pair of those leggings last a woman? Would they, is it like three months, six months, a year, or what kind? What kind of what's the wear ratio of those? Uh, yeah, it's good. Good question. I mean, I know I know girls are twelve months plus on them. Um, so it's not something you could put into a subscription. Subscription, and you can't like to they get a new pair of leggings every three months kind of thing. I, I, I don't know this kind of those kind of analytics, but I was just thinking if it's a yeah. hero, if it's a hero product, you could flip it into some kind of subscription <clears> and and they get the black leggings plus they get the um, some form of the new collection that you're releasing at that time in that in that you know three monthly subscription we, or whatever it is. we've def we've definitely looked at the subscription models um, but we don't want to dilute the product as well right like we want to have it there when you're ready you can come buy it like we, we don't we're not we're not desperate to hit those sales or hit numbers uh, we don't we don't want to feel like we're being uh, forceful or, or feeling like we're desperate for you to come and buy a product we want to enjoy this experience with you like we want you to wear our best black tights and when you're ready to come back and buy a new pair uh you know it's going to be there but we we want you to focus on coming and picking up a piece of the limited edition collections um these special pieces how much time has gone into like the the way that you package product and how's that evolved for, for you as a brand yeah, crazy. You know, when you first start, like everything is M- MOQs, and you know, um, uh, you're limited to the quantities you can afford. Um, packaging, packaging is everything because it's, it's the experience. It's, it's, that's it's, it's, the experience that the woman has when she gets It's a touch and that. feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, guys as well. You know, like I don't know. I was having a discussion with the team yesterday about um, fo- focusing on like looking at when you go shopping, and uh, a lot of people don't understand. You know, when you're doing when you buying designer for example if you walk into a Louis Vuitton or Prada um, it's not about the value of the dollar it's not the money you're experiencing it's the experience you know if if you have a good sales assistant they're going to give you a glass of water and they're going to take you through the shopping experience and you, know, you you've worked hard to spend some money on a bag you might like but when it's when it's packaged in tissue paper and it's put into the box and put into the bag and that whole experience uh, is something that's been formulated and created and that's what that's what we love when we shop so you have to think about how we thought about how can we do this in e-commerce how can we how can we bring this experience online from online to our customers and um a, a lot of it's got to do with our packaging we've got some cool packaging what would your like 
main piece of advice be in order to find the right thing for them in order in order before they start going out and creating this brand? Like, how, how, what's your what's your feeling on and, and insights on how they can like discover what that is for them? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I often get uh, these questions on DM being like, Don, I'd love to um, start a business. I really want to do e-commerce, but I don't know where to start. Um, and it's something I think about often. And I, the only reference I have is my experience, right? I, I'll never preach. I'll never give advice that I don't take because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a mentor. I'm not someone that's here to teach people how they should do their thing, right? I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can for us. Um, and I'm looking at a lot of these these young kids that are selling e-commerce experience, how to build an e-commerce brand, how to you know grow an e-commerce brand from about 500 to 5,000, and you know they they looking at drop shipping models. I, I just can't, I, I don't see sustainability in building a brand if you don't have a product that you're passionate about. For for me for me the the key is your product and your your proposition. The, the key, the key in any successful business, I think, is problem solving. Right? Like, if you look at the world's most successful businesses, they've all they've all created a product that solved a problem. Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think we've created a product that solved a problem, but we've created a product that you know fulfills a certain need. You know, every single girl on planet Earth wears tights at some point in their life, and everyone's favorite color is black for tights. So we we've created a pair of, a product that we think can fit in every girl or boy's wardrobe. Um, that that's our that's our proposition. I love fashion. Matilda and I love fashion. Yeah. We love people. We love we love creating experiences for people. We want you know people that can't afford to shop at these at designer brands because of their uh, situation. They can jump onto the Stacks website and buy something. Feel like they they get the luxury experience when they engage with client services or when they get the the pass on the mail. You know. Uh, we we try and create that experience, and we're passionate about our products and well, our experience. Do, so, do, do you, because you because you obviously buy a lot of designer, like because I've seen on Instagram, you, you and Matilda do. Do you do you buy that designer as well as part of an experience so that you can bring that experience then into into your brand? Like, do you is, is there any part of that that you take straight and put it into into what Stacks do? One hundred percent. I mean, first, first, we don't buy that much designer. Like, um, <laughs> it's Check uh, your Instagram. I'll, I mean, link, I'll link it in. I'll it's just the it. highlight. It's the highlight reel, bro. Um, you, you look, but you we, look suave, we do. Bro. You look suave. We do. We do a lot of. Uh, we love the experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we don't. We don't know. It's not about the money or spending the money. We often go. In, we've got relationships with uh, a lot of the sales assistants there now, and we we go in and have a chat about fashion. I, I, we actually went to Balenciaga today to look at a product, uh, not to buy, um, just to. We had a look. It, it's one of the new uh, Gucci uh, Balenciaga Hacker Collection collabs, and I actually got a product in that I'm interested in, uh, not to buy, just because I. I am infatuated the fact that Balenciaga and Gucci could come together and do collaboration as yep. two brands. And um, you know, we, we had a chat today about Demna Vesalia, uh, who is the creative director of Balenciaga, who in Paris today, it, it, it's just a story, but he, um, he wasn't a, he's, he's the creative director for the world's most uh, profitable and successful fashion brand in 2021. And uh, he went to a restaurant and they wouldn't let him in because he didn't wear a button-up shirt. 
Um, and it, it, I think that my point was one, it was it's cool to go into these stores to engage with people that love fashion and have discussions about you know the this industry. Uh, and the other thing was it was quite interesting that we live in a world where people still get judged for what they wear when it comes to going to a yeah. restaurant or a, a hotel. Um, but sorry, but but back back to the point. I think that. Uh, we we enjoy these experiences to learn, and we try and translate how we can create these experiences for our customers. Yeah, no, no, I, I love the I love the fact that you you can go in there and see and see the experience that Balenciaga's putting on, and and bring some of that back into Stacks. Do you know what I mean? Like in, in terms of that, it's in, like you say, it's interesting that people still get judged in in twenty twenty one twenty two twenty twenty two. Sorry, but you know, it's kind of it's kind of the nature. Everyone's going to have some judgment towards someone else but usually that's a reflection of their internal dialogues anyway isn't it that's to be honest yeah i mean it's it's yeah it's 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 confusing it's um and i and i understand code of conduct and i understand dress code and stuff but i feel like in in the world we live in today um yeah i'm just not i just don't i just don't get how you kind of get led into a restaurant because you're wearing a t-shirt do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just it, it it takes away, in my opinion, the ability to express yourself as an individual, as an artist. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that, that's a, that's a I, crazy I, I, I think different that, I think conversation. That, I think what I've what I've what from what I've obviously I know a lot of people that buy the the luxury high end type type pieces, and I'm starting to understand it more from an artistic point of view that that they're, they're buying the experience and the and the art rather than the, rather than the flash and the pizzazz. I mean that there are a certain element of that that happens, but I can understand why why you why you go in there because you appreciate the pieces that have been created and the and and the method behind creating that piece and the collab that's gone with it. And that's that's about that's some that's something I've noticed with you is that you're really interested in the brand and obviously the designing. So I suppose on on that score, would you ever be willing to step back from your role as like the, as the ultimate leader of the brand, just and put someone else in that position, so that you could then just focus on being the head of the brand and and the creative t- type of stuff? Yeah, good good um, question. I, I'll just comment on fashion quick. Um, the first part of what you said, um, you know, I, I consider Stacks uh, a fashion brand. Uh, it, it may not be to some considered a luxury fashion brand, but um, it is a designer brand by principle because we design everything and I'm the creative director of the brand. So when when people are wearing sacks, they, they're wearing our vision. They're wearing, when we when we drop a campaign, we put a lot of effort into the creative of the campaign to tell stories, et cetera. So when, when our customers are buying these collections, they're buying into the story and that's that's one of the things I think that uh, a lot of people in fashion or that, that buy design don't quite understand. You know, a lot of people buy fashion to flex, you know, to wear Louis Vuitton, yeah. yep. whatever it is, to, to, you know, to show off you know, that I, I can afford a product that costs X amount of money. But um, a lot of people that are fashion enthusiasts buy it because of, of the art that it represents. Because at the end of the day, fashion is an art form. It is by principle created as an art form. Uh, it's the same as buying a piece of art or listening to your favorite music from an artist, whatever it is. Um, so, so true fashion enthusiasts appreciate design and appreciate the creativity that go into it. Uh, unfortunately, it comes at a price point, but it, it's not. It's fashion should never be about the money; it should be about the appreciation of the art. Um, in my opinion, 
uh, my thoughts on the second part of the question. Look, I think I think I'm I'm not naive, and I think that we all have to realize that you know sometimes for you, for something to grow into what it can become, you're not always going to be the best person for the job. Um, you know, when I think it also comes to there comes a time in a person's life when your priorities might change, uh, and I think. As a business grows, I had this discussion with a lot of my leaders uh, in the team yesterday, actually, about you know we, we can't micromanage our departments. We have to we have to let go for it to grow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I I mean I love what I do. I, I love I love running the business um, with an absolute passion every single day. It's my purpose. But I think that the day that it stops becoming fun for me and the day that I start resenting it and, and when I start, if, if it comes to a point where I just don't feel like I'm winning, uh, I would be able to be mature enough to step back and find someone better to do it. Um, yeah. Because you get to the point where I guess for most business owners or founders, you realize we're all working for the brand. We're all waking up to work for it. The, the organism grows and it becomes its own thing right it's bigger than so you isn't it, at all times it's 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 way bigger and that's that's crazy for your ego man like that can really fuck with your arrogance and your ego because you get to the point where it's like you're flexing because it's all your designs and you, you built from nothing but then like it gets bigger than you yeah. you know what i mean like i, I know people wearing I, i've been in situations awkward situations where um I'd be uh, in a gym or a shopping center or a gym or whatever, and people wearing stacks. And, um, you know, I think that they, they know who I am or they, they, I think that maybe they realize that I designed that or made that. And I'd sort of try and say hello, but then they'd look like at me like, like who's this creep trying to... Yeah, yeah. How do you manage and rein in that ego within yourself like as, as someone who is, is uber successful and, and started to really start to move, move ahead in life? How do you keep yourself in um, check? Matilda and I call each other out on our shit all the time, man. Like we 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 uh, we often do introspection. Often we look at ourselves uh, daily. You know, we uh, Matilda's listened to a lot of podcasts now that speak about a lot of these things, right? Like where we have to uh, stay green to grow and 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 remain grounded, and we always look at where we came from. Did, like I think, what was the last sorry. thing she called you out on? Um. Hmm. Good question. I think I think it uh, it, it might have been something like that. Ah, oh, actually, I think it was a situation where I was pretty rude to one of uh, our contractors, a supplier, not a supplier, but um, someone providing a service for us, right? Because like they just weren't doing their job, and like you know, like I get super passionate about trying to get shit done and making things work, and I was quite rude to this person, um, and she just yeah just called me out on it and uh i ended up apologizing even though i don't think i needed or i didn't i didn't need to but i wanted to because i want to be that person um, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I, 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 I mean that's just the top of my head but i'm sure there's more <laughs> we, we, we all have to, we all we all have to go through that where we all have to be like you know rem- remember that we all you know that we don't because none of us know essentially what what that person's going through that day that they're performing that per- yeah. that what you consider what you consider to be a poor service but then you know, you can, you can hit them with all this stuff, but then their mum might have died. Do you know what I mean? There's so there's so many nuances that get that get lost in the translation. We've all got to remember at some point, you know, that everyone else is human, and we all have emotions yeah. that we're rolling with. Do you know what I mean? So, I I, I, I props to her for calling you, and it, and props for you for apologising, but and and also being willing to receive that kind of feedback. 
I think we have to stay grounded, man. That's what I mean by like, I remember daily, it's, like, it's as if it was yesterday when, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's a bit of imposter syndrome because like, we still feel broken poor sometimes and we still feel like things aren't working out and we still feel like, you know, we're just starting. You know, people, people you, you say, you know, stats are successful, whatever, but like, I'm looking at this year and I'm thinking about all the things we've got to achieve and the things we've got to do. And yeah, the, the, the same doubt and the same like stress it's the same as it was three or four years ago. Like, so, so realistically, I've, we try and focus on being the same people and we don't, we, we try to remember where we came from uh, and we try to remind ourselves of what it was like when we had nothing. Um, and that you, like when, when you can come to terms with that, like we're just not better than anyone, man. No one is better than anyone. Yeah. Um, and then, and then from the leader's perspective, like I never want to, be a person. I don't want people to ever think like, wow, this tax of owner, he's such a dickhead. Like, did you hear how he went off on, at, at this guy? Or um, that's just not, that's just by decision, not the person I want to be. Um, so you, yeah, we all got to check ourselves, man. Like it's so easy to like get lost in the heat of the moment or get angry or, but um, we need people around us to call us out for sure. Obviously, obviously, look, Matilda's listening to podcasts and obviously relaying a lot of that content to you. Is there is there any like terms of like books or, or resources that you kind of lean on that you can you could you could tell me about to kind of give the audience something that they can go and reference in terms of how you've grown personally yourself? Yeah, I think um, it's funny. We we just discussed it this weekend. Um, when I, when, just before Stacks really started kicking off and I was going through that, I guess, my depressed phase when things weren't working out, I was doing a lot of independent uh, self-study or, or self-research and I was reading, I loved um, books about successful people who inspired me that I wanted to be like and so I read all of Richard Branson's books. Yeah. Um, autobiographies I read um, Shoe Dog is my favourite book in the, in the whole Phil Knight book yeah that's an amazing story yeah, it, that's a it's a crazy story it's a very emotional book uh, but I, I read a lot of financial based principle books such as um, Richest Man of Babylon Rich Dad Poor Dad love that love uh, those Seven Seven Principles of Highly Effective People is like a textbook for me it's um, it's it's one of those books you don't need to read from back to front you can read it in chapters um, yeah, uh, the, se- the se- seven habits is a staple of everyone's personal development. Should, 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 be a a, should be a staple. And the richest man in Babylon, like you said, the, I, I think, I think, well, that is such a short book to read. Everybody could could consume that in an hour. Like it's 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 like yeah. it's such great. It just shows you how to how to operate and how to think about you know making money and and using money and everything else. It's just a beautiful book. Well, it, it kind of, um, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we spoke about at the beginning of our conversation about when we were in school, we, we as humans are taught to trade and hustle from an early day on. Yeah. You know, like your, your, your mum is trading with you from an early age. You know, if you do this, you'll get this. If you do, if you don't do this, this will happen to you. It's it's trade. It's 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 commerce from, we're programmed to think about it. It's not about the, the value of a dollar. It's not about finances uh it's about principles thinking you know you work hard you will receive yes um, yes you know what i mean it's 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 these little things that we forget about that i guess books like that remind us of and and give us greater scope in um yeah i mean 
these days I'm not I'm not reading I'm not listening to a lot of podcasts uh, only because I just want to give my brain some time to relax man like at night or my own time I just want to switch off yeah, yeah, I but, can understand that. And also, because, you, 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 when you're trying to move the way that you're trying to move, and you're trying to achieve the goals that I, that I no doubt know are written on your pad and your your goals list, you you're at the point now where you know you've got the solid core of information in terms of the fundamental books. You've read them, you've got them down, you've done that. Now you're in action mode, and when you're in action mode, you can't be having a load of n- noise. It, lots of conflicting opinions and all that stuff you just gotta you just gotta action it and learn from learn from the reps that you're making it's not yeah you, you nail it's no you nailed it a hundred percent you nailed it a hundred percent because i used to um in in the early stage i used to be obsessed with gary v and guys like oh, Milan, and i love Stephen bartley like but then you get to the point when you're practicing and you're doing it you you start disagreeing with them you start because you you're starting to develop your own ways of doing things and you're you're actually actioning it so you know a lot of what they what they sharing based on their reference and experience is different to yours um well, it's, that's it's, why that's why i like i like you can become quite resent you can become resentful of those type of people because because they're at like the 200 300 400 million dollar a year business stage or half a billion whatever they're at and then and then they're giving you advice at that stage about what you should be doing at 30 but they're not at 30 so they can't really no no it doesn't matter how much you try and articulate your journey today on this podcast it won't be 100 percent accurate as to what how hard it actually was at that particular time and the struggles and how you're feeling and all this other stuff that all the nuance everything that all these nuances that people get left that get left on the fucking table that people can't understand and it starts to become an annoyance when you listen to someone like gary b or steven (laughs) because they start to piss you off because then you start Man. to think, oh, I'm fucking not doing anything, but I'm, but but this is how I'm experiencing it. Because they're talking from a level where they can no longer relate to how they actually really truly felt at the level when they're trying to talk to you at. There's no correlation. It just gets lost in translation. Yeah, you 100% nailed it. Like, I, I'm not listening to business podcasts or people giving advice on business. I, I, I can't relate to that because you, you articulated exactly uh, perfectly. You know, we, we have an interesting situation in our generation where uh, because of some of those uh, podcasts, you know, young kids are measuring themselves up against that exactly. So we're all thinking that we can be YouTubers and we're all thinking that we can be influencers and we're all thinking we can be CEOs. Yeah. But a lot, of us, uh, a lot of us might not be programmed to do that. We might be a great marketing manager or or becoming a marketing executive or becoming a pr or whatever it is but we're not pursuing those dreams because we're infatuated with the with the with the hustle idea of porn. becoming hustle a single porn. person yeah it's, man. it's just hustle it's, porn. Um, like, there's, there's loads of it on, there's loads of it on instagram like you know all about everyone's got to be an entrepreneur everyone's got to be this everyone's got to be that and it's just it just pigeonholes you into a box entrepreneur is a sexy word at the moment but like, there's going to be something else. Is it like you know, metaverse? Something else is going to come come along down the track. You know, e-commerce. E-commerce was 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 sexy before crypto became became the new thing. Before the metaverse became the new thing. Before NFTs. Before that. Do you know what I mean? So it goes in cycles, doesn't it? But the the, the, the core principles that you've instilled in yourself are, are, are what I wanted people to understand that you instill the core principles from these books within your life and then you just go and try shit and when you try shit and you f- and you fail a little bit you tweak it and you go again you go again because your journey 
Don, Don isn't going to be the same as as, as Gary V's or, 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 or this and the other. I mean, Gary V for a start started with a sixty million dollar wine business and then flipped it into however many millions or six million took it sixty million. It's a lot easier to move six million because you've got a little bit of moving about money to sixty million than it is to go from your mum's bedroom to this that and the other to thirty million dollars. It's it's just a lot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot more. There's a lot more to what you've done than what he did at that particular time. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't. I'm not. I'm not um, throwing shade at Gary because I, I, the dude has inspired me so much, and I, and I love his uh, message. I love his story. I just don't want young people to listen to this podcast, listen to my story, and measure themselves up against me, and yeah, and yeah. take what I'm saying as gospel and try and you know do what I've done because that's that's my story, that's my journey. Um, it, it's the fundamental reason why I don't uh, do mentorships and I don't do podcasts where I'm preaching on what people should or shouldn't do, or I don't do PDFs, or I don't do courses because. Um, I'm not a, I'm not qualified to teach. You know, te- teaching teaching people is again a principle based learning experience. It's not you teaching what you've done to someone. Yeah. That that's not educate. That's not education. Um, I, I, and, and and a lot of people are getting stuck in that space, and that's a bit scary for those young kids. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's why when you said to me before this podcast, you said to me, "Ah, oh, Frankie, send me a list of like the kind of questions you're going to ask." And I said, "Look, Don, I don't do I don't do question answer podcasts. I do conversations." Because conversations is what's missing in this space. There's n- there's not enough conversations. They're all like this, 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 this. Question, answer, question, answer. There's no there's no there's no nuance there. There's no feeling. You know, I want I want now I want I want I want to talk to you about like how how important it is having a supportive partner in your life. Do you know what I mean? Because because obviously Matilda's been there for for for, for all this journey. And I, 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 I would it have even been the same if you didn't have a supportive woman in your life? Yeah, we we wouldn't be here today. I don't think at, at this level uh, of I guess success if uh, if it wasn't for each other. If I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for her. To be honest, um, you know, it's it's funny because like when when we first met uh, about six months, I just got an, at, at in the exact so, sorry just from a time timeline perspective, right? So. Uh, within the exact same period, the the business muscle stacks went, I guess, belly up at that point. I'd lost everything at that point. Um, I just got in, in the exact same time uh, out of a, a serious relationship. I was actually engaged to be married at that point. Wow. So so that that phase, I was just man, like I was just gone. I was done. Um, but I was soldiering through, like like I mentioned, like you know, every day was I was just focused on getting through every day, you know, putting a smile on my face and just you know, that's when I was listening to the podcast, that's when I was reading the books, and uh, you know, Gary's voice in my head like got me through. The guy's got the energy that just gets you going, like that, like yeah. there's value in those podcasts. I, I swear to God, like I was listening to him every day, and I was listening to Ed Miley, like these guys were just you know, their voice in your head was just getting you through, regardless if I disagreed with some of their principles. Um, but uh, then within, I think it was weeks, man, like I was working in the store, in a supplement store, and that's when she, she worked in uh, recruitment uh, for a recruitment company in the same building actually as mine right next door. Um, and then at lunch break, she'd come through and we sort of met at that point and 
like whether it's um, divine intervention or serendipity or whatever it is, like it just was the right time and it sort of just refreshed my focus and gave me something new to live for and something yeah. new and exciting. Uh, so, you know, when there was a lot of darkness, there was a lot of light. I was just, I was just participating what life was throwing at me and sort of went with it without even realizing it. Um, and yeah, she she did not like stacks when we first got together. She didn't want to be involved in the fitness industry. Uh, she was quite against it because, like, uh, you know, fitness industry had its own reputation, and she didn't love the the first range of products I did. But it, it kind of like forced me to work harder, and eventually she just fell in love and became obsessed with it, and it became our thing. Um, and we worked. She'd work uh, full full time, and weekends we were hustling at gym pop-ups and you know doing these little activations in Perth and doing photo shoots on weekends and getting kicked out of locations where we were shooting illegally and uh, (laughs) the the journey um, for us um, yeah the journey means something completely different Uh, and and I think support is everything man like I think it's beautiful the fact you've done it together I think so too and a lot of people don't can't comprehend how you can work with your partner uh, and I don't. Again, I don't think it's for everyone. I don't think everyone should look at Don and Till and be like, "I want to work." Like a girl shouldn't go to their partners and be like, "I wish we could start a business together and make it work." It, you can't compare that. Like it doesn't work for everyone. Uh, it's just one of those unicorn things where we share the same interests in most of everything and have developed the same values and have shared same values and work ethics. You know, I, I don't have a, a clear answer for like whether it, how it works, what, but it just does. Yeah, no, no. I just wanted to bring, I just wanted to bring it in because I think it's so important that you know people understand that you know, a, a, you know, to, to for a couple to achieve this together in this in, in this high stress environment and everything like that that goes on in this space, it's like it's, it's, it's not a, easy. It's, it's a testimony it's to you easy, both. Frankie. It's a testimony to you, know, you both. Uh, you know? I'll just I'll just add to that. You know, it's it's um you know hats off to her because. Uh, with with my kind of work ethic and drive, like I get super focused and my brain operates at a crazy speed, uh, and I can become tunnel vision. But she has a certain strength and confidence where she can just pull me out of that as well. And like I said, call me out, call me out of my shit, um, and put up with a lot. But uh, we've we've grown to to really. Um, uh, align and strengthen those things that just make this whole experience work. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And then, then I just wanted the reason why I wanted to bring it in as well is not not just to not just to show so you could show your appreciation as to as into how much she's brought to the brand because I wanted to make sure she was included in this because she's such a pivotal part of it. But not only that, but I just wanted to give people a real insight into into the fact of like you know a strong healthy relationship to that where you work together and you and you take you take each other forward and you grow together it is something that is still available in in 2022 do you know what i mean because we we get a lot we see a lot of this other stuff going on around us and it kind of takes us away from you know this kind of stuff and i want to showcase that as well but if there's one if there's one like if you if you had to check out the world tomorrow just check out completely you know you're 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 gone you can't take nothing with you if you're going to leave like one solid piece of advice that could just live on through the testament of time what kind of what kind of what kind of words would you leave for the people wow that's deep man um i i just think it's it's probably my legacy of you know if if you have a dream or a vision uh, and 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 it's clear to you in your mind and you don't have a timeline or a deadline and you're you're passionate about it 
you got to see it through. You you got to work on it, work on yourself, and and never give up. But if it's not if it's not right for you, you need to know when to give up. Yeah, I love I love, I love that end, I love that end bit as well. It's like knowing knowing when to flick the switch on on something else and flick and flick it on something else. Hope look. To be honest, on like I think I found I think I found my passion in terms of podcasting and, and stuff like that, and I think you found yours in terms of designing fashion stuff. And you know, I think you I think you guys have done an epic job. And thank you so much for coming and dropping your wisdom on the podcast today. I appreciate it so much. I think this is probably this is this is certainly my favorite podcast I've ever done, man. And and I think it's it's a testament to your energy and your vibe. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just grateful for for your time and the opportunity, man. Thank you so so much, bro. May, really may, may, maybe maybe you understand why <laughs> why I was hitting your DMs at pace. <laughs> I love it. No, I appreciate you know, it, man. Do you know what I mean, man? No, but honestly, guys, and if you can do me a favor, like, you know, drop us a like on YouTube, share the content on, on Instagram. Obviously, I'm going to drop Don's, um, like, uh, Instagram on the bottom here and stuff like that. Contact details, all that. Drop him a message. Let him know how you felt about it. Drop me a message as always. Guys, thank you so much for your support. That was Don. That was Stax. And much love. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee Podcast.